You know what, over, over recent weeks, um, the, message I've, the last two messages I've bought, uh, I've been speaking into two different levels of living. The first one, as I've already alluded to, alluded to was uh, the level of the prince, a principle, the principle of it is written. When dealing with uncertainty, when dealing with accusations from the devil, when dealing with worry or stress, Jesus himself showed us how to live out this principle, as I've already alluded to during the worship. When he was accosted, when he was accused and tempted by the devil, he just responded, it is written. And, uh, he, and you know, it is written in the word of God. You know, interesting thing uh, that I recognized or realized when I read, was reading through that again the other day, that the devil tried that on Jesus as well. He said, you know, you should throw yourself down off here because it's written in the word of God that if you do. But that was a classic example of the devil taking a piece of, a piece of scripture out of context. Whereas Jesus spoke the complete and the whole truth. So that was the first, uh, first level of living I taught. And then a couple of weeks ago, I spoke on practice. Uh, we looked at three different practices of how we can live, work and play. And if we would practice these three practices consistently, they would bring power in our lives today. Those three were what? Can anybody remember what those three practices were? It's okay, it's an open book test. You can go back and look at your notes. <laughs> okay, for the sake of time, the first one was prayer and worship. The second one was our behavior. And then the third one was reading and studying the Bible. And out of the scriptures, there's a very real reason, there's a very clear reason why Jesus wants us to learn not just the principles, but the practices of how to live in him. In John 16, verse 33, from the Message Translation, it says this, I have told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. Oh my goodness. We need that more and more today, don't we? Deeply at peace. Jesus wants us to live with, an, with a deep, unshakable, assured peace. And you know what? We can. We actually can. So today, I'm going to bring part three of this levels of living and today is part one of part three don't let the numbers confuse you it'll it'll come clear eventually and so this third level so we've got looked at principle we've looked at practice this one these next three weeks are going to be all about application so the message this mini series within the series is called change for growth and purpose so come on let's just pray father Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive. I thank you that it's real. I thank you that it's relevant and it's for today. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would come, that you would guide us, you would shape us, you would take your living word and you would activate it in us so that we might know how to live fully and completely in your promises and in the destiny that you have created us for. So Lord, regardless of whether we're we're on site or we're online or we watch this later in the recording or listen to the podcast. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would not just plant this in our lives, but Lord, you would absolutely activate it. Come Holy Spirit, breathe on these embers, these seeds and burst them into flame in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, last week, Joel uh, spoke and he didn't just bring us the message but what he brought us, if I can kind of harken back to my military days, I believe what Joel brought us last week was what we used to refer to in the military as an SOP. 
And SOP stands for a standing operation, operating procedure. This is a set of instructions that points to a definite procedure of effectiveness. And it's assumed that an SOP is relevant and stays unless otherwise ordered. In other words, Joel gave us straight out of the Word of God, and that hasn't changed. It is still purposeful, it is still definite, and it is still effective, and it hasn't been ordered to be otherwise. So, I don't know, Joel, I don't think you've ever served in the military, but bro, that was a straight-up SOP that you brought us last week. In other words, it works, so don't mess with it. (laughs) Don't try and rewrite it. The Word of God, we don't need to rewrite it, because it works. He taught us that if we're serious about God, then we can't simply stop at just having a heart moment. And whilst that heart moment is very real and powerful, for sure, no doubt about it, but unless that heart moment leads into heart change, then its power and its influence just begins to diminish and wander away, and it becomes just a nice memory of a moment. If you are a firm believer in Jesus Christ this morning, then you will know that we are in a battle. We are in a battle for our souls. We are in a battle for the souls of the lost. We are in a battle for the souls of mankind. And God has called us to be here at this time. If you're alive today, it's because you're supposed to be. And God has purposed that. Okay, so just tuck that one away. You don't need to worry about that. And you know, more often than not, the battle happens at the heart level. And that's why the Word of God commands us, God gives us an SOP, a standing operating procedure. Out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We should work to not allow our heart to become discouraged. Now, stuff is going to come at us, yes, but if we learn to stand on the Word of God, if we learn to take what God has given us in a Word and have it planted deep in our heart, then when that discouragement comes, we should be able to stand. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, he's having done all, stand. Now, I just read the, uh, John 16.33 from the Message Translation. I'm going to read it to you again now out of the New Living Translation. It's a little bit fuller, and this is what it says. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I love that. I love that. I mean, who would, as if, if you're in business, would you like to have that sort of backing in business? That would be awesome, wouldn't it? That's the best backing you get. King David in the Old Testament, he gives us a really, really good example of how we can put this into practice. He would speak to his soul. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? New King James. But I'm going to read it to you out of the Passion Translation. Psalm 43, verse 3 to 5. Pour into me the brightness of your daybreak. Pour into me your rays of revelation truth. I love that phrase. Let them comfort and gently lead me into the shining path, onto the shining path, showing the way into your burning presence, into your many sanctuaries of holiness. Then I will come closer to your very altar until I come before you, the God of my ecstatic joy. I will praise you with the harp that plays in my heart to you. I like that bit there. You know, the the scriptures say make a joyful noise. And I know some people who have a bit of trouble singing in tune. They still sing. It just may not be that melodic according to the music we're hearing. 
but this, I love this, I will praise you with the harp that plays in my heart. Let the harp in your heart play. My God, my magnificent God. Okay, jumping to verse 5. Then I will say to my soul, don't be discouraged, don't be disturbed, for I fully expect my Savior God to break through for me. That's good, eh? Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise Him all over again. Yes, He is my saving grace. Honestly, if you're going to step out and do anything these days, not just even in faith, but just step out and have a crack at something, you know, have a go, you mug. You know, that great Australian phrase, have a go, you mug. There's actually never, ever going to be any shortage of naysayers or accusers you know, that classic Kiwi thing, the tall poppy syndrome. You know what? I reckon just be tall poppies. If we're all tall poppies, then no one's going to know who to cut down. So I give you permission this morning, every one of you, be a tall poppy. Come on, come on, come on. Some of them aren't sure, no, no. Some of you are going, can I be a sunflower instead? Absolutely, absolutely. Just be tall. You know what, if, if you feel like you're in an atmosphere of that right now, of like, ah, oh, man, another accusation, ah, oh, another knockdown, ah, oh, another, ah, oh. you know what, we are in really, really good company. We are in company with the heroes of the Bible. And here's a classic one, Nehemiah. Nehemiah was living in exile. He, he, hears, he hears a testimony or the word of what's happened to his home city, Jerusalem. It's charred, it's burnt, the walls are broken down, the gates are burned, and, uh, and it just breaks his heart, and he goes before God, and God gives him a mandate. There's that word. God gives him a mandate to go back and rebuild the walls and rehang the gates. And so he does. He goes before the king that he was the cupbearer for. This is like this guy is kind of like leading the heathen world, the known heathen world at the time. And he's he, you know, Nehemiah's looking really sad. And the king's like, What's wrong with you? And he's like, Oh, there goes my head. <laughs> But he had, a, he had a moment of being courageous and he said, God, why, he said to the king, why should I not look sad when my home is in ruins? And then the king says, well, what do you want to do about it? Anyway, so long story, bounce forward, he goes. He, and the minute he starts to rebuild the walls, the naysayers and the accusers come. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 9. Um, they, they attempt after attempt to discourage him. They, they accused him, they accosted him, they lied about him, they threatened him, they wrote letters to the very king that released him. And this is what he says. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Even greater determination. So what's this all going to do with where I'm going this morning? Seasonally, we are coming out of winter and we're now in spring. Yes, we all recognize that. We're seeing blossoms and we're seeing fresh buds. We're seeing things burst into life. Trees all over the place are starting to show new growth. Do you know why that's happening? Because there's a change of season. Yes, we're coming into spring. Yeah, that's the natural reason. But the reason that's happening and the reason that trees can burst into life again is because they've gone through a winter. And most people go, oh, winter, I hate winter. Actually, you realize we actually need winter. If you're into horticulture, you know we need winter. And what's more is we need those really good crunchy Marlboro frosts that freeze the ground and kill the bugs. Trees need winter to grow. We all like to see fresh buds and fresh blossoms 
And in the winter season, trees seem ugly and leafless. And if it's an evergreen, they just plain seem lifeless. They are anything but lifeless. I'm going to show you three photos. This is, this is a walnut tree in our backyard. And this is what it looks like during winter after I've given it a buzz cut. <laughs> I actually have to. This, this photo here is it in spring. You can see all the growth starting to burst out on the end of those branches. The next one, that's what it looks like in summer. Just a hairy beast. Just a hairy beast. And I have, to, I have to give it, I'll explain why, I have to give it a buzz cut every winter. I'll explain why shortly. What seems lifeless and growthless during winter is actually one of the most important stages of life or seasons of life for a tree. You see, strength, endurance, tenacity, flexibility, and durability are all built into a tree during winter. Because what happens is while nothing is happening above, it's all happening below. In summer, the branches grow up. In winter, the roots grow down and out. Um, in Arizona, uh, some years ago, they, uh, they built a, what they called a biosphere or a biodome. It's this massive, go online, it's just huge. It's like this little village of biospheres. And the reason they built it was they wanted to create in, a, in like a small form life on earth so they could, they could study it really closely. But a real head-scratching moment happened as things began to grow. All of a sudden, all of the trees started to die. They all started to die and they all started to fall over. And the, the scientists were like, this is a perfect atmosphere. This is like everything, the nutrients they need, the water they need, it's perfect. Why why are the trees dying and falling over? And then they discovered something. You know what was missing in the tree's life? Stress. Stress was missing in the tree's life. And that for a tree, stress comes in the form of wind. In a perfect atmosphere where there was no wind, the trees neither grew deep roots or wide roots, and they never hung onto the ground. And so as soon as they got to a certain height, they died and fell over. No root depth, no root spread, no root hold, no strength, no longevity. So what do we need to do to deal with the change for growth and purpose? Where do we, how, do we, how do we activate this? How do we address change in our life for growth and for purpose? Well, we address the root problem. We've got to grow good roots. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 says this, he will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. The assurance of inner working, of the inner working of God's love, can bring change, growth, healing, and certainty in your life. But what we have to do is we have to remember it is a process. Honestly, I was so excited by what Joel brought last week. It's like, this guy's been reading my notes. He talked about, he had the, the diagram, the, the, the circle diagram of different moments for hearts, and, and he really did unpack process so incredibly well. It was such a good word, Joel. If you, didn't, if you weren't here last week, uh, or if you haven't heard it, then go online. It's both on our podcast and it's on our Facebook page as well. 
So strong roots require three things. So for the rest of this morning's message, I'm going to address the first, the first one, and it is time. Strong roots need three things, and this is part one, and I'm going to be dealing with, with time, time to grow. See, growth is a time application. My dad used to, um, we, we had a lifestyle block when I was a kid, well, we, the royal we, our family, um, dad, mum and dad bought it. It was 11 and a half acres. We called it the farm. Um, and one of the things that dad used to do was used to raise chickens. And uh, he would disappear uh, one day um, after school because he was a school teacher and he'd rock up home with this weird smell and funny sound coming out of our car and he'd open up in the boot of the car and there was this massive box of little noisy poopy yellow balls, chicks. And, um, and he put them in a big box and we, he put them in the hot water cupboard with a light bulb over them to keep them warm. And, and one time he came home and he goes, I've got some new chicks. And we were like, oh, great. And he goes, no, no, these ones are new ones. And they were what's called, they were called meat birds. And, and they were, they were, they were uh, I guess, scientifically designed that they grew incredibly fast, incredibly big, um, so that you know, they could go to market quickly. The thing is, they grew so fast, they, they had trouble walking. They just grew so fast and so big that their legs didn't keep up and they'd keep falling over. It looked really funny when they were about this big. They taste really good when they were this big. <laughs> but the thing was, they were, someone messed with their growth system so they grew so fast that they, didn't, they, they couldn't walk properly, they couldn't stand properly, but it was on purpose so that they could get them to market. I would like to suggest this morning that we should not mess with time because God is the perfect timekeeper. Right. People have asked me this morning, is this my shepherd's crook? <laughs> I was walking to church with it in my hand this morning and I was like, is this what Gandalf feels like? <laughs> you know, I was out on, as I walked in the gate, I walked over the piece of ground where we're going to do one of our school buildings and I was just praying into it and I really felt like looking at the devil going, you shall not pass, you know, have a Gandalf moment. But actually, no, it's, it's neither a Gandalf staff nor is it a shepherd's crook. This is one branch of our walnut tree. This is one season's growth. One season's growth. Now, it looks really cool this way, but the reality was this branch actually grew this way. It grew down from the main bough, and I hold it here at this point here because it was growing straight down towards the ground, and then it realized the ground is just a foot away and went, I'm going to have nowhere else to go. So it started to turn around and started to grow up again. Crazy, eh? Now, the reason I show you this is while this is a very healthy, well, it's not healthy now because I've cut it off, it's dead, but this branch was incredibly healthy and it grew incredibly fast. And where I'm going this morning with the whole growth as a time application is that whilst this has grown incredibly fast, this branch is actually referred to as a water shoot. And it will actually not produce any fruit until it's two years old. Growth is a time application. And you can try and grow as fast as you want and as long as you want until you're almost going to crash into the ground and then you realize I've got to turn around and start growing up again. But the reality is if we try and hurry it along, actually I won't put that there because the worship team will trip over it. Now I will. Um, 
we've got to allow time, we've got to allow process. And so time application actually has three elements to it. Transition, condition, and decision. And I'm going to quickly unpack each of these. Okay, number one, transition. Any change of seasonal growth has within it transition. What does that mean? There's conversion, alteration, modification, transformation. And if you want to grow, you've got to accept this. In growth, you will not remain the same. Something, something is going to change. And so if you have a deep-seated dislike for change, I got news for you and it's all bad. (laughs) Something is going to change. Something is going to change. So when we're talking about uh, change for growth and purpose and we're thinking about time and the first element of time being transition, I want to give you an upskill point. I've got three upskill points for you this morning. The first one is this, under transition, get clarity. What's important? What is needed in your life? Take some time. The scriptures talk about asking, seeking, knocking. Those who ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. Talk to God. Talk to a trusted friend who is a believer. Or, or, or here's a little, here's an interesting thing. Go and talk to someone who knows more than you. Go and talk to a subject matter expert. I don't know anything about investment, really. And uh, in, in my stage of life, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? Um, but the reality is, like my son said to me, he, he said to me at Christmas, he said, Dad, what's it like to be in your last decade of work? Cheeky punk. But <laughs> the reality is that I'm only nine years away from what is currently the retirement age. I'm 56, so I've, you know, nine years' time. Suze did take some joy in telling me that I'm getting closer to my pension. Um, but so... What, what does that look like? Well, I don't know anything about investment. I've got a KiwiSaver, but do I, is that working properly? I don't know. So I went and talked to a subject matter expert. Is he a believer? No, but he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so ask God. Go and talk to someone who knows more about you. What is important? What is needed? Get clarity. And be prepared to have your mindset and your ability stretched. It's an interesting thing. As Christians and as preachers, particularly as preachers, we love to declare this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it's around salvation. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And we go, woohoo! Thank you, Jesus! Without having any clue what that might mean. <laughs> I, I wonder, you know, I, when I was looking this, I felt so challenged as a preacher. You know what? There's... You know, and Joel touched on it last week. You know, when we ask Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior, in that moment right there, that moment of salvation, that's justification. We are justified before God because of what Christ has done for us. But then the Scriptures teach us to work at our salvation with fear and trembling. So justification is immediate, but sanctification, that's a process. And so when we think about this, behold, old life is gone, a new life has begun. Has anyone like me who just every now and then goes back and revisits the old life? (laughs) Slips back into the old language. Slips back into the old habits. Slips back into the old mindsets and the old ways of thinking. It's okay, this is a safe place. It's a process, and in that process, transition is going to happen. We are transitioning from the old into the new. We are being made new by God from the inside out. 
And this is one of the things that I absolutely love. And so I'm so sold out for Jesus about this, is that God comes in and he takes up residence in our heart and he works with us and changes us from the inside out. Every other faith in the world tries to change us from the outside in. You have to eat this way. You have to dress this way. You have to do this sort of ritual. You have to go to this place. You have to wash this way. They're they're all externals that at some point they hope might change the internal. But Jesus comes inside and changes us from the inside out. There is a cost to transition. It's not a one-off simple payment. It's ongoing, it's intentional, and it's deliberate. We cannot have transition without clarity. Otherwise, it's just meaningless meandering. So time requires transition. You know what? Time, growth, and time also requires conditions. Perhaps you've come to a point where the status quo is simply not tolerable anymore. What will you no longer tolerate? That's an important question. What will you no longer tolerate? I just, as I was reading that, I just really sensed that there was someone both on site and someone online. This is really important for you right now. What are the conditions that are around you right now? What is the status quo that is currently around you right now where there's everything in your being going, this is, not, this is enough. This is intolerable. I can't tolerate this anymore. Well, the condition is ripe for you. Proverbs 4 verse 7 says this, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. So here's the upskill point, upskill point for conditions. Know your limits. Know your limits. Is your threshold clear? Do you have a line in your life? We go this, this far and no further. I will not step across this line. I mean, I, I taught this, Suzanne and I taught this to both our sons when they were just young fellows, young, young, young men in college when they were starting to want to go out with, and hang out with mates and go to parties and things like that. It's like, okay, well, so what's your line? This far, no further. I had, to, I had to employ this principle in my life when I was serving in the military. When I first left home, I mean, I was like, woo, man, what is this big wide world? This is such a scary place. You know, I, I lived in a, in a, in a, in a very uh, sheltered home, a very sheltered church-going home, and I left home and joined the military. It's like, wah. This is terrifying, you know. And there was, there was, it all happened. And initially, I was too scared, too scared to go and do anything with the guys because I had, I didn't know where my line was, because up until I left home, my dad had set that line for me. And so I had to grow up very quickly, and learn where my threshold was, learn where my line was. Sometimes. When the clarity is found and the conditions are at a point, then transition must happen. And it is that time when we step into the third and the very powerful point of time growth. And that is the point of decision. Time to take a step. Time to make a decision. So time is a growth principle that has transition, condition, and decisions. Your future will only change for growth and purpose if you are prepared to make a conscious and an intentional decision for that. What is your why? I've often heard it said, if your why is big enough, the how will follow. 
If your why is big enough, the what can be easily answered. You know, water that doesn't flow becomes stagnant or it evaporates. Soil that is not tilled and sown will absolutely grow weeds. I've tested that. (laughs) I've tested that. I want you to think about this next statement here. Every biblical strategic, uh, sorry, everyday biblical strategic decisions for growth and purpose are the architects of your future. Here's the upskill point. Become confident in your identity as God's child. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a chosen generation, his own special people. He called you out. You know, think about that phrase there. <laughs> there's, a, there's a verse in the Bible that says, it's better to fall on the rock and be broken than have the rock fall on you and be crushed. You know what? We should always let God call us out. Let him call us out on our attitudes. Let him call us out on our behavior. Let him call us out on our decisions. Let him call us out on our direction. He's the one that will call us out of darkness into his marvelous light. If we let him, we should always let God call us out. You know, it's, it's just like breaking in a pair of new shoes. You've got to walk in them till they're comfortable. And this is going to take some commitment because chances are you may get some blisters. Again, back to my military days we did, on recruit course and we all, got, you know, we all got issued our uniform and our shiny shoes and our belts and ties and everything like that. We also got issued combat boots. And they're like, ooh, okay. And the next day, we got told we were going to go on a route march. Basically, what that is, is you form up in your squad, and you point that way, and you just keep walking. They call it a route march. Where are we going? You'll find out. For how long? You'll find out. Actually, it was really, really funny, because I'd never been to Marlborough before, so I really didn't know anything about vineyards or, or, or the, um, the bird-scaring cannons and all this sort of stuff. And we're all, we're all marching down Jackson's Road, and right beside us is one of the vineyards, and there was one of those LPG boot-scaring cannons in there. And so we're all left, right, left, right, left, right down the road. And one of these boot-scaring cannons went off. I immediately went, I'm in the forces. This is an exercise. I was ready to dive and roll into the ditch. <laughs> Only to find out it had nothing to do with what we were doing. <laughs> but here's how we prepared for that route march. We filled up a bathtub, and we threw our boots into a bathtub full of warm water. The next morning, it was just all black and blue and dyed and horrible because it had all sucked the dye out of all the leather. And then we pulled our boots out, emptied them out, sopping wet. We had two pairs of socks on. We strapped them on nice and tight. And then we walked. And by the time we got back, our boots were white. They were dry. They were white with the salt from our feet. And they were as soft as slippers. So what is the clue here? Soak. Soak in God. Strap on tight. Strap on tight the word of God. And then walk. What is the gospel described as in the Bible? Someone tell me, what is the gospel described as? Apart from the good news. I'm talking boots right now. Come on. Stay with me, people. We are shod with the preparation of the gospel. The word of God is like a good pair of boots. 
Soak them. Strap them on and walk in it. Soak yourself in the Word. Strap the Word of God on and walk in it. Okay. All right. I was reading a, a, in one of my quiet times during the week. I need to bring this thing into land. Um, I didn't think I'd get through all my notes this morning, so that's fine. I was reading a prayer this week, and it was, the prayer was along speaking about spending time with God and that it's important to do that. And then there was this line in the prayer that said this, your presence matters here. And I stopped mid-prayer. And I had this thought, how often do I pray, almost habitually, Lord, I want your presence. But in truth, my mind and my heart are somewhere else. Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, Jesus was speaking to the disciples about the Pharisees. He's actually quoting the prophet Isaiah. I think it's Isaiah 43. This is what he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For a relationship to be real and effective, both parties have to be present. I want to give you a wee exercise. Can we have the next slide up, please? These four words, this is the four words that were in the prayer that stopped me in my tracks. Your presence matters here. And what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to collectively read this phrase four times, but each time we are going to put the emphasis on the next word. Because if you want to grow in God, if you want to, your relationship to be everything God has designed it to be, your presence matters here. You've got to be engaged. So, here we go. We're going to say it four times, and each time we're going to put the emphasis on the next word. One, two, three, four. Here we go. Your presence matters here. Your presence matters here. Your presence matters here. Your presence matters here. It's a really interesting exercise to do when you're reading a scripture that speaks to you personally. Put yourself into that scripture. Soak in the word, strap on the word, and walk in it. Your presence matters here. On a Sunday morning, your presence matters here. You're online. Your presence matters here. The truth is many of us don't know who we are or what we want in life. Sure, we have an idea of things we would like, but if we really boil it down, our purpose, our calling, the reason God made us, many of us, not so much. We don't really know. So I'm just going to wrap it up with this final statement this morning. This is not finished by any way, short means. I've got another three weeks, two weeks on this. So that's good. Because we are such a reactionary people, it is very understandable that due to being uncertain about transition and so busy simply handling life's conditions, we don't make time for strategic decisions that will intentionally design our lives according to God's will. I want you to think on that, soak on that. Because we're such a reactionary people, you know what? The very peace that God wants us to live in that I spoke about at the beginning, if we live and soak in that peace, we don't need to be reactionary because we are surrounded by his peace, undeniable peace. 
we can be certain about the transition because God will only take us through something that is good for us. We can handle the conditions because God says he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And in, those, in that transition and in those conditions, we can stand on God, stand on his word, and we can make strategic decisions that are in line with his word for our good. Let me pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this congregation, both on-site and online. Lord, I pray the very power of your living word. Father, help us to soak in your word. Help us to strap on your word. Help us to walk in your word. Lord, as your presence surrounds us, Lord, help us to be able to walk in the time that it takes. I love, I love, I love that promise you give us. It said, he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it right up until the day Jesus returns. Lord, you'll never leave us. Lord, you'll never forsake us. Father, over every person right here, right now, every home and family that's represented both on-site and online, in the name of Jesus, I bless you. I bless you with revelation, the rays of revelation light from God's word. I bless you with the peace and the joy that comes with the Holy Spirit. Over you, I declare the blood of the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world, that by his stripes we are healed. I declare over you this morning health. In Jesus' name. Peace in Jesus' name. Joy in Jesus' name. Patience, perseverance, and endurance in Jesus' name. That at the completion of days, you will be lacking in nothing because his perfect and complete work has been done in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.